This is the Horse Radio Network. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Stable Scoop Show. It's episode 520. And this is the Horse Radio Network's Equestrian Roundtable Show. Our sponsors this episode are Purina Omega Match. I am Glenda Geek, founder of the Horse Radio Network and host of Horses in the Morning, the longest-running daily horse podcast in the world. Now, I noticed some of you coming in live here. Please do uh, post where your name and where you're from so that we all know. All the panelists can also see your comments tonight. Hi, Donna. Donna's in here from Connecticut. I know we have some others popping in as well. And I also want to know, can you hear me okay? I had terrible sound problems on the last one because my mixer was dying and it was I don't know how any of you listened to it and why you didn't tell me about it but I got a brand new mixer so we're hoping that it works and I hope my sound is better please let me know in the comments that the sound is better and I apologize for the last episode well, this is the Equestrian Roundtable podcast. It, every podcast like this, I invite panelists who are from the industry. Tonight, I made it easy on myself. I invited three people who really like to talk, and they are fellow hosts from the Horse Radio Network. And if you're watching live, welcome, and we appreciate that. You can ask any questions, or you, if you have a comment on the topics we cover tonight, please post them in the comments, and we'll read them and get to them. And I'm Kai, Kathleen and Mackenzie say I sounded good. Thank you, Donna. Appreciate that. So this is the first show that we're combining video and audio, and if you miss any part of tonight's show, if you have to bail out on the video, you can hear the rest of the audio on the Stable Scoop podcast feed tomorrow morning. It'll be out. So tonight, I made it easy on myself, as I said, by inviting other hosts from the Horse Radio Network. Terrific lineup of shows. Before I get to them, though, I have to do a, a shameless plug. I have to get a shameless plug in for this. You still have time to book for the Horse Lovers Cruise in 2022, and it looks like cruising is starting again. Yay! So details and booking information, go to horseloverscruise.com. We have 50 people going so far. This is not your typical cruise that's put on by an organization where you have to go learn stuff and sit in boring classes. We are going to drink and talk horses and eat a lot. It's a seven-night cruise on the second largest cruise ship in the world, and we're leaving out of Florida, and it is next year. Go get all the details. I think it's February. Go get all the details at horseloverscruise.com and come hang out with horse people having a good time uh, drinking and partying and, and talking about horses. But that's what we do there. Nothing educational at all will happen during that cruise, I promise. And uh, I, we're also in the final planning stages of our HRN Roadshow. We are going on the road. Uh, Jennifer and I are taking our new RV which that's kind of a retro version right there, but that's Scooter pulling the RV. Uh, we're taking our new RV, and we're going for five weeks, the end of July through August. We're visiting 14 states and 20 different listener farms. So we're going to be staying at listener farms, doing trail rides, doing meetups along the way. We're going to have picnics. We're going to have dinners. We'll announce the whole route, where we're going, where the meetups are going to be. We're going to do a concert with Templeton Thompson live. Uh, so there's all kinds of things that we're doing, and you'll be able to participate if you're around that area and want to meet your fellow uh, listeners and meet us. You can come out and do that. We would appreciate you stopping by, and there'll be more details about that shortly. And uh, we're, we're excited because we're getting all the details ironed out now, and it looks like vaccines and COVID are going to cooperate. We're going to be able to do this thing. So we're very excited about that. That's enough of the shameless plugs. Let's get to our panelists tonight. My old friend, somebody who I really started this podcasting adventure with years ago, and that's Dr. Wendy Ying. Hi, Dr. Ying. Hi. Good to see you, Wendy. It's great to see you, too. Now, Wendy hosts the driving radio show because you are a carriage driver. Yes, that's right. I love carriage driving, and I showed in uh, combined driving and pleasure driving, and now I just drive around my uh, neighborhood for fun. And she's being <laughs> modest about that. She showed to the upper levels in this country of <laughs> carriage driving and drove a four of yep. Irish sport horses. Well, actually, I started out driving Irish sport horses, um, but my Irish ho sport horses were huge, and putting harness on 17-hand horses is a pain for when you're a 5'2 Chinese girl. So I ended up, I thought, God, I can't drive a pair or four of these giant horses, and then I actually uh, ended up, I have Welsh Cobb Arab crosses. And they're more in the 14 they're, and a half, 15-hand yeah, range. One's yeah. like technically a pony. 
Yeah. Well, more your size, Dr. Wendy. Yeah, more. that's more my size. When I stand and, next to them, they look like horses. <laughs> so Dr. Wendy is also a veterinarian, and she is a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner as well, and teaches traditional Chinese medicine for veterinary students here in Florida. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to our next panelist is somebody that's brand new. She's like a baby to podcasting, and that's Mandy from the Leadline Podcast. Hi, Mandy. That's me. I can't wait for someone else to be the new kid. <laughs> I get to introduce you as the baby for a while. Oh, no, there's a new show coming on. You'll be off the hook in a couple of weeks. Thank goodness. <laughs> Mandy, tell everybody what the Leadline Podcast is. The Leadline Podcast is for horse business owners who are ready to take their horse hobby into business mode. So talking about becoming a profitable horse business, because a lot of us have that side hustle. We're making a little bit of money, but we want to make a lot more money. So the Leadline Podcast helps teach people how to do that. Very good. And we're glad to have you on board. I've known Mandy. We were talking about it before we started. I've known Mandy. She was one of our first guests on Stable Scoop back in the late 2000s. And that, by the way, is almost 13,000 guests ago for the Horse Radio Network. Yeah. That's a lot of talking. And then, speaking of talking, we have another host of one of our terrific longtime shows now. We have Piper joining us, and she is host of the Plaidcast. Hi, Piper. Hi, everyone. And, of course, of Plaid Horse Magazine fame. Piper's the troublemaker of this group right here. Uh, she's the one that's always getting in trouble and, and causing, you know, fights on the Internet. But we love her for that. <laughs> I love it that I don't have to, and you can take all the flack. I so. call it accountability, not fights on the Internet. But, <laughs> but sure, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> call it discussion. But discussion. the Plaidcast has been going on how many years now? Five years now. Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. I remember your first one. It's <laughs> yep. like yesterday. Well, congratulations. You know, that puts you in the top 1% of all podcasters for the length of time their podcast has gone, has lasted. Probably half a percent of all podcasts make it for five years. Yeah. So congratulations. That either shows tenacity or stupidity or stubbornness. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those. It is one of those. It's a good show, though, and you really should check it out. Tell everybody a little bit about what your show's about. Um, it's about the hunter jumper community and um, like like what Mandy was saying, we we talk a lot of business stuff because I love that, but really just showing people how many different careers and how many different ways there are to excel in the hunter jumper sports. So we have a lot of top riders and then we have a lot of top people at every different asset, uh, facet and part of our community. Very good. All right. Now, what we do, how we do this lineup uh, for the panelists is I don't pick the topics they do. So they choose topics. They each submitted two. And then I picked one of those two to try and uh, get new things on on each episode that we do of the roundtable, stuff we haven't talked about before. And so we're going to just let them go. It's a discussion between you guys. I'm here to moderate and maybe have some opinions occasionally. Not that I've known to have any opinions at all. Uh, so, Wendy, we're going to start with you. What was your topic and why did you pick it? Um, well, uh, it's something that comes up in my practice a lot. As I specialize in traditional Chinese vet medicine, so that means I do acupuncture. I do a lot of sport horses and sport dogs, but the majority of my patients are geriatrics, right? Because most people think of uh, acupuncture and Cairo uh, for their older d- dogs and horses. And um, so, you know, they you get this old farm dog that's like, you know, people want you to work miracles in one acupuncture treatment. And I'm like, if I could turn back time, you know, I'd be a millionaire and I wouldn't be working for you. So I think, you know, if only, and and we all do this. Like I think about this with my own horses and my own dogs, like, Oh, if I only did this and you're and yourself, right. You think, wow, if I only did yoga when I was younger and kept at it, I would be so much more flexible and a better rider. So I, that's why I picked this topic. And um, do you want me to? Yeah, go ahead and start. Yeah, yeah. So you... I talked a little bit about this on my Chinese medicine segment on the driving show last uh, last week. And um, it's this is a huge thing for dogs. And it's so easy, right? And we horse people, like my horses are retired. And they stand around and do nothing but eat. And maybe I pet them and put fly spray on them. But my farrier comes every five weeks. 
And I am not missing my fairy appointment because we know how important it is for their hooves to have care, right? But my dog's toenails are like so long. I'm horrible. But she's a Jack Russell and she bites me when I do her toenails. <laughs> and Says I the know veterinarian. <laughs> yeah, I'm a veterinarian. I know this, right? So I see these like daggers on these dog's toes and a lot of like Labradors, especially black Labradors with like, like black toenails, like they can get so long. And you think about your dogs walking on those long toenails. That's like the, a huge cause of arthritis in dogs. So if you can't clip your dog's toenails, I mean, just think about them like the way you think about your horse. They need to be done on a regular basis. And if your dog won't let you do them, just take them to the groomer, right? Pay the $25 and get somebody else to clip your toenails and it'll save your dog's, uh, it'll, it'll extend your dog's life. And then we also talked a little bit about uh, chondroprotectives. So we all know about Adequan and Legend and, uh, you know, th that's important, but sometimes we don't think about using them until after our horses are showing signs of arthritis. But they're called chondroprotectives because they protect the joint surface. So uh, a lot of the research that was done for Adequan and Legend was on young animals. Uh, there was a study done on Adequan when it first started about um, with German shepherd dogs. And they, they gave them, they gave Adequan to German shepherd puppies. And there was a much uh, a reduced incidence of them getting hip dysplasia because the Adequan saves their joints. So our sport horses, we should think about instituting Adequan as a, um, you know, as a preventative, give, give it to them when they're young and it'll make their joints last a lot longer with the wear and tear that we put on them. And this is not a paid commercial for Adequan, by the way. No, uh, so. You can use off-label. You can <laughs> yeah, get joint therapy. Okay. I like Adequan. Um, and well, then... Uh, let go me ahead. go to Piper on that. Do you, do you, you have ponies, so, you know, a lot of different ponies and you're in the jumping world and, you know, it's, it, you're, yep. yeah, you're, you're, you're using those ponies and they're working. Yep. Uh, do you think about that? Do you think about giving them preventative Stuff. Absolutely. And, and oftentimes when they're leased, it's in their contract, what, what preventative maintenance and, and what other maintenance they need. Um, we had a really interesting conversation on the podcast a couple weeks ago, talking about how different the joint injections are, um, like the chemicals put into the joint injections. And I didn't mm -hmm. realize how much they had changed. You know, when I was a child, it was this like, oh, once you start joint injections, you can't stop. And, you know, now it, it's, we have such better technology going into the joint injections that it really can be something that does, can be stopped and started as needed. And I, I thought that was fascinating to learn about. Um, so I think it's all that stuff. And then it's also the holistic approach. Um, again, back to the, back to the contracts we have in their lease contracts, how many jumping classes, how many classes they can do per day how high they're allowed to jump at home. You know, it, it's all tied into this, um, you know, longevity. I want my ponies to be happy mm -hmm. and want to do their jobs and last forever. And and their job can mean anything to me. I tell my ponies that they need to be good at their job and I don't care what that job is. If they want to be a walk trot pony, totally fine by me. If they want to be a division pony, but they have to be, we will make them sound uncomfortable and they then they have to be good at that job. <laughs> um, but our leases and, and our, our contracts are designed for exactly what you're talking about. And it's like maintenance. It's yep. like maintenance on your yep. car. Yep. You know, you wouldn't skip those things. And um, I don't know. I know a lot of horse girls that don't forget to do the maintenance on their cars, let alone well, clean it. So there's okay. that. Okay, clean it. <laughs> <laughs> Mandy, do you, is this something that you've dealt with or done anything about with your horses? Well, I actually have a couple of senior pets at this point because my animals stay with me long term. So I have my senior horse and she is, I believe, 22, but I also have a senior cat and she <laughs> is 17 and I've had her oh, wow. ever since the beginning too. So it is actually something I've been really starting to pay attention to for both pets to make sure that they are comfortable and they're well taken care of. And uh, I did have a, a gap in owning my horse. I got her when she was five and she's 22 now, like I said. But um, when I was out of the horse industry for a few years and traveling full time, I had actually given my horse to a friend. So 
she was gone for a bit and I got her back in 2018. And now as I've had her back for a few years, I have started to like introduce things that I didn't do in the beginning when she was really young, when I had her earlier on. So looking at those things, um, I've started doing like chiropractic care and looking into massage more. And I'm like, okay, if I need these things, my horse probably needs them too. Mm -hmm. She's getting older. And I'm honestly, I'm sure there's a lot more that I could be doing. I'm a single horse owner, like one horse, (laughs) just one same horse for many years. So super faithful (laughs) to this horse, (laughs) but uh, I'm sure there's a lot more that I could be doing for her, but it's, you know, there's also not wanting to waste money on a bunch of things that don't work. So I'm trying to like introduce a few things, see where there's improvement, see what else I could introduce without trying to just like blow money on a bunch of supplements without knowing where, Mm -hmm. you know, she needs them. It's interesting. I think that's great. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Glenn. No, no, go ahead, Wendy. I think that's great what you brought up about the supplements because, uh, you know, you read these magazines and you're like, oh, I got to get this. I got to get that. But one of the things that I think is really important, especially with our middle aged horses, is, is don't skip screening tests. Right. Like, why do we wait till they're shaggy and, you know, laminitic before giving them pergolide? How about we just, you know, screen them for for Cushing's Uh, or like Glenn has we all know how he suffered with Lyme disease if you live in an area of high prevalence of Lyme and your horse is showing something abnormal even if they're not like screen for it you know and then do something preventative for it but I I feel like uh, even with my own horse I feel like I should have screened him because mine has uh, Lyme he had Lyme when he was younger, then he had Cushing's. And at the time that he, that I started treating him for Cushing's, he also was suffering from EPM. So he had this like huge storm and he was retired, you know, but he wasn't neurologic and he wasn't lame, but he was showing some atrophy. And I kept saying to myself, I even talked to another vet friend of mine. I'm like, what do you think of Dante? You think I'm thinking too much into it? Do you think I'm just seeing EPM everywhere? And she's like, yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I do sometimes worry about them. But I'm like, screw it. I'm pulling blood. I'm going to screen for it. And then I did. And we treated him early on. But he, he progressed uh, like they sometimes do. But I feel like, well, maybe if I had treated him for the Cushing's early on, maybe his other issues wouldn't be so bad. So that's hard, though, because you have to fight for that sometimes. Don't I know. You? I mean, you're I with know. your veterinarians because, you know, and well, you know, I we... feel like as a veterinarian, sometimes I feel like, you know, with EPM, especially 90 percent are going to test positive. Right. But only 10 percent actually have the disease. So it's hard to tell my clients like, well, I see your horse looking kind of old and has atrophy. And I think I should do this test. And then the interpret interpreting those results are really difficult. You know, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to screen for. So you have to have a good relationship with your vet. And, and I think what you're saying, Glenn, is sometimes you as a horse owner see an attitude change, but to the vet, I might see like, well, it looks great. Yeah. And I don't want to waste your money. Yeah. Yeah. We know there's something wrong. You're right. Right. You know, we know our pets. And we right. know, we just know there's something wrong. It, it's hard though too because you still have to balance. And Mandy, you said it. And I'm glad you did. Uh, it, you still have to balance money and all this thing. You know, there's mm-hmm. always money. Always comes into the picture. And I, I always said I think we have a dollar amount in mind. And I know this sounds awful, <laughs> but I think we all have a dollar amount in mind for our pets, whether they're horses or dogs That's or not cats. That's awful. That's not it, awful. It, That's real. Yeah, because, you know, I couldn't afford to spend $100,000 now to fix a dog. You know, I'm not I'm just not going to be able to do that. And you, and we also have to deal with what's realistic for us may not be real. What's realistic for me may not be realistic for Piper or may mm-hmm. not be realistic for Mandy or the other way around, right? Our, our, our real-life situations, our financial situations kind of affect what we do, too. But that's where preventative care even gets more important. And mm-hmm. by the way, if you're, if, you're, when you're, if you're watching live, tell us what you do for pre- preventative care with your horses. Uh, you know, if you use a certain product or whatever, just type it in the comments there. But I think that's where it becomes more important, right? It saves us money mm-hmm. in the long run. It'll save you money in the long run. And also, like, especially with dogs, like, we don't realize it because, you know, they're with us all the time. 
And, but their lives are, their lifespan is so short. Like when I was younger, I never thought about that. Right. But your dog's lifespan is like, you know, if you get 12 great years with them, then that's really good, but that's so short, you know? So you don't, you don't want to skip, you know, sometimes when they're young, you think, Oh, I don't need to go for an annual exam. I'm just going to take them down the tractor supply and get a rabies shot. Right. But, but you should get your dog, take them for an annual exam. They, can pull blood on them. It doesn't cost a ton of money and you might find something or like Mandy, your cat, your 17 year old cat, almost all cats are going to have renal failure at some point. You know, that's just the nature of cats. And if we can catch that early, then we can help them deal with that for a longer period of time. I want to add too, like speaking of my cat, she had had some issues in her older age that had mm -hmm. been going on for a couple of years. And I took her to a local vet um, one of the issues that she was having is that she was coughing a lot. It was a very dry mm -hmm. cough and it, it was just constant, but it was to the point where it was waking my husband and I up in the middle of the night because we would <sighs> just hear coughing all of the time. And so I took her to a vet, they did some tests, they couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. And then I took her a few months later, they still couldn't find anything. And finally, I just, I couldn't accept that there was nothing that I could do to help that cough. And I ended mm -hmm. up traveling an hour and a half with her, which she does not travel well, but I traveled an hour and a half to a different vet who figured out the issue. I can't even tell you what it was because I have no idea, mm -hmm. but she gave her some antibiotics and she never coughed again, but it took <laughs> me over great. a year to find that issue because the yeah. first vet couldn't find it. And it's, you know, no diss to the first one, but sometimes right. we have to go with our feelings on mm -hmm. something with our animals too, and be like, you know what, there's gotta be a solution. We just have to dig a little bit deeper sometimes. Mm -hmm. I got a question after yeah. that trip where did you need the ER? Did you have to go to the ER because you were scratched all the hell and back? <laughs> oh my God. I just had a say, migraine from the meowing. I gotta say, I walked into the vet's <laughs> office. I showed them the carrier with Flash inside, that's her name. And I was like, Aww. we're going to need a cleanup. <laughs> and they looked inside and they were like, oh, okay, we'll get someone to help you with that. <laughs> but they were actually really good. One of the techs came in, she took the carrier, washed the whole thing out. And I'm saying, we had like issues from both ends. From this oh, and it was in so the car. Bad. It was so bad. And it, so she doesn't travel well, but that vet is so good. I take my rabbit to that vet too, because the local ones don't see rabbits. They're oh, not exotics, but. Um, I was so grateful for it. My cat's been doing very well, but she did have issues that needed to get checked that the other mm -hmm. one had missed a couple of times. So, you know, I just really want to take good care of my animals as they get older, especially mm -hmm. when we have them for so long. Like I'm going to have a really hard time when I lose her, but she's 17. So I've been like preparing myself yeah. for like three or four years now. I'm like, maybe I'm going to have a while with her yet. Yeah, so I don't want to plan time. for the worst yet. But <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're going to wrap this topic up. And I see Donna said uh, polyglycans for my 19-year-old for, for about seven years now. So that's great, you, Donna. That's great. Uh, Mackenzie says, I just purchased a 16-year-old mayor and has done uh, uh, jumped at the Grand Prix level. Her new job is a major step down. She's been very sound, but I've wondered whether something like Adequin would help her in the long run. Mm -hmm. You see yeah. that all the time, right, Piper? Where you're bringing them down and they're going to kids and, you know, doing... That's my horse. Yeah, he's yeah. my horse is 14 and he's major step down from what he used to do. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, and, and it's all about maintaining him for as long um, as long as we can. And, and we're, we're very diligent about fitness. Um, he treadmills five days a week. He's not a big, you know, work in the ring guy um, mm -hmm. and he doesn't... We don't, you know, jump high at home. He jumps little frequently, um, which works for him and, and doesn't jump over two foot unless he's at a horse show. Um, and he does a lot of treadmilling and fitness has been huge for getting and keeping him sound. Well, and then, I'm glad you brought that up because we didn't talk about that. You know, that, yep. that's a part of the, the, the preventative care, too, is yep. not overuse, right? Yep. I mean, it's... And, and we sometimes are... I tell people they need a second horse. Like yep. that is the best solution for that for their yep. horse is to get a second horse because then they can like ride more right. on the other horse and give the other one a rest. My horse wouldn't stay sound if I wanted to do it all the time, but I'm really mm -hmm. busy and I don't practice. So that's why we're matched <laughs> together. It's perfect. Um, but another thing that, you know, I was just at, at Kentucky for two weeks. And another thing that we're extremely diligent about is his um, lunging. He doesn't need to lunge all the time, but he lunges for relaxation. He doesn't lunge for exhaustion. Um, and, and I, you know, you see that when you're out there, you in the lunging ring, you see that distinction, you see these horses with these tight bungees 
wrapped around their back, you know, and, and their heads tied in and cross cantering and, and, you know, things being thrown at them and that kind of stuff. And, and he does lunch sometimes, but he goes out and it's about loosening up and stretching in the morning. And, and we're not going to go into that topic tonight because... We- <laughs> Oh, I was getting so excited. <laughs> no, but, Wendy, we're not going there tonight. <laughs> but my point is, is uh, you know, there, there is like that is part of, you know, I think we whether I know, but we can all agree that bad lunging is bad for the yeah, oh yeah, no question. And at the horse show, I saw a lot of bad, a lot of bad lunging. Yeah, um, and, and, and and they'll do it for an hour out there, and, 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 and every decision yeah. like that. Yeah, and yeah. and I almost murdered a significant other that I, you know, he's passed. He's gone now but i didn't kill him but i left him <laughs> I was just gonna say <laughs> i didn't kill him but i left him he's in my past yeah. let me clarify that if he's found dead uh but i almost dumped him on the spot for bad from bad lunging yep Absolutely. he was lunging my worst badly no and 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 i'm talking about lunging for fitness and lunging for mm-hmm. relaxation and that being part of a holistic um, you know. All right, guys, we do have to go on. We have two more okay. questions to get Sorry. to tonight. Before we go on, though, I do have to talk about one of our terrific sponsors who does care about your horse as well. And they actually have a show on our network. Uh, and I have to bring them up right here. And that is Purina. If your horses can't get out on green grass for their daily dose of omegas, Purina's got you covered. The Purina team of PhD equine nutritionists have two new products that are rich in omega-3 fatty acids and taste. And they're uh, they taste a whole lot better than that fish oil stuff. Uh, try the new Purina Omega Match Timothy-based ration balancer or the Ahi Flower oil f- supplement and see for yourself why these are among some of the best Omegas that nature offers. And these are pr- two brand new products for Purina. So if you haven't looked at them, go take a look at them. It takes science and love together, each pulling their weight to help your horses live their best lives. Kind of what we're talking about tonight. Put our research to the test at Purina purinamills.com slash omega match that's purinamills.com slash omega match and it was so funny when i saw this ad come through because uh, the ahi flower oil is something that wendy and i have talked about in the past Mm -hmm. Uh, so there you go and you know it's funny a lot of these things that come from traditional chinese medicine now are making their way into mainstream companies like purina right uh so and it's because of doctors and in wendy's ancestors from thousands of years ancient ago. Ancient Chinese secret. 18 Chinese people that have brought that to the table. <laughs> All right, uh, Piper, you're up next. What was your topic? Um, I want to talk about like kind of destination happiness. And I see people at all levels of this sport from small schooling shows up to the biggest horse shows. Oh, when I get this horse, when I get this amount of money, when I get this thing, I'll be happy. And I think that's related to um, you know, shame and wanting more from the sport and feeling welcome. And, and kind of these are all issues that I think we all face. And one of the things that we don't recognize is that we all face them. We think that other people, uh, other levels of the sport or people who go to other horse shows or have an, more horses or a nicer horse or something don't face these issues. And the more I do this, the more it's a universal truth of our sport is that we all we all seek more. We all seek to do better. I mean, and I think that comes from a really healthy, good place of wanting to be better horse people, but it's so easy to kind of pervert that a little bit. It's so easy to find our shame to shame others, you know, back to what you're saying in the beginning, Glenn. I mean, I think um, about, you know, whatever, if I'm rabble rousing or holding people accountable, I mean, the fact that so many people do try to weaponize shame against me is is a sad indicator of our sport. And so I love talking about this stuff and how people overcome um, criticism from the cheap seats and, uh, and how we can appreciate our process and our journey with our horses and, and be where we are and, you know, where we are and, you know, want to be where we are and, and be there and be present with our horses because that's what this is all about. And the sad part about that is because of that shame, it doesn't allow you to be as present right now as you should be. Yes. You should be enjoying this process of get the process of getting there, right? Yep. And because of the shame and peer pressure and everything else that happens in the horse world, just by the way, you're describing everything in life right now, not yeah. just horses, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's the sad part is then it takes away some of the enjoyment of, of right now. Yeah. And I, yeah. I like 
one of the things I was proud about showing last week was that like I didn't wonder if I like looked fat in my britches at all or you know and, and this, these are little things but and they are us usually fleeting things but it's that like it's we're so conditioned I have people come to me every week and are like oh I wasn't going to start back riding but you know your conversations helped me feel welcome back into riding and to me that's so sad that like people were limiting themselves from being part of our community because they felt shamed or they felt unwelcomed or they felt like they didn't belong and I just, you know, I want to say welcome everyone. There's a place for everyone in this community and no one is looking at your caboose or anything else <laughs> and, and enjoy the horses. Wendy. Well, I, I, uh, I grew up riding Hunter, so I understand what you're talking about. And I think part of that comes from, uh, um, you know, it's just our competitive spirit, like you're putting a whole bunch of competitive people together. And then sometimes the, the, you know, that just gets the best of you. And I see a lot of people coming into driving and they're like, oh my God, you know, this is the most welcoming sport, blah, blah, blah. And the thing is about driving is that we don't have a standard uniform that we have to wear. We can wear any clothes, you know, fabulous hats, whatever. And we have all different size animals from like minis to drafts. So I think um, the more... Uh, the more the the standard of excellence is the same, the more you get catty. You know, it's just human nature. Like go to a breed show, right? If you really want to see cattiness. Then they're, they're, not only are they competing with each other, but they bred those babies out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I say this as I used to breed. I used to breed. So I know I've been on both sides. I've been catty and I've, been the victim of cattiness and uh it is sad and i think sometimes uh w what we need to realize is that not everybody can handle that the same way like i may say well whatever get in line and there's a ton of people that hate me get in line you know but other people may take it to heart and and you need to think about that before you start being uber competitive mandy you know, I haven't shown in many years, but when I did previously, I have some very like vivid recollections of some of the things that were really hard for me when I did compete. And I'm talking like back when I first got started in horses, I was probably in my late teens and I was the kid that drove up with my parents in the beat up pickup truck and the really old horse trailer that my horse hated getting into. <laughs> she hated that thing. And she just did not want to load. So I would get done. And the shows that I did do, they were just like really low key fun shows because those were all that I ever did. Um, but at the end I would go to load her and she wouldn't load. And I remember being, you know, a teenager, just being super emotional about that because it would end up attracting a crowd Everyone would have mm -hmm. a different opinion about what I needed to be doing to get her <laughs> oh, in the yeah, trailer. Loading. <laughs> and they were, some of them were like genuinely wanting to help and others were just like, well, you're doing it wrong. And I just remember mm -hmm. having several experiences like that with trying to load my horse where I ended up in tears as a teenager because I was so stressed out by it. And it resulted in me not having the patience with my horse that I needed to have because I was mm -hmm. so stressed out by the audience that I wasn't just like, I got it guys. And we took the time that we needed. So I felt so pressured just to get her on that trailer because everyone else thought I was doing it wrong. And it, it was tough. It was a lot to overcome when in my younger days as a rider because I always would get so worried about it. And, you know, it, it's something I still deal with once in a while in terms of just like not worrying about my methods, maybe being a little different than what someone else might do it, you know, in that way or in a different way. So I've had to just be very confident and comfortable and like, this is what I'm doing. This is the best I know how, and I'm willing to learn and grow, but I don't always need someone looking over my shoulder being like, this is how it has to happen. So I don't want to stress my horse out, you know? I think age helps us with that too. I think we actually, the older we get, the more we learn to appreciate today and we 
not that we don't strive for tomorrow, but we accept the fact that I can appreciate today a little bit more before tomorrow comes. And I, I think you actually need age for that to happen. I don't know that you see that when you're in your teens, for sure. You don't see that. No. You, you just always want yeah. tomorrow, right? And then even when you're in your 20s, you're in the same boat. But when you get into your 30s and then up beyond that, we're realizing we have less time left and we better enjoy the days that are here, you know? <laughs> I think that's one of my biggest regrets is not enjoying the times that I had when I was always striving to do the next thing. And, and as I said, right, Piper, that, that's life in general. That's not yep. just horses. That's your business. That's your personal life. You know, everything's greener, right? It's always greener on the mm -hmm. other side. Um, at least my pony thinks so. He really thinks it's greener on the other side because he's in a dry lot. So he really does think it's greener. <laughs> but I don't know that, I don't know that, I think there are very few 20-somethings or even 30-somethings I think there are very few that really enjoy the moments. And yeah, you try and be better, but enjoy the moments as they happen. That's tough. Boy, that's a tough one. And, you know, I, I think it's this, um, I think it's this sense of who to listen to. And I definitely listen to everyone in my 20s. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to be just more discerning on like, whose opinion do I actually care about? Would I ask that person for their opinion? You know, and if the answer is no, why do I care if their opinion's oh. positive or negative? You talk about soapboxes. That's one of the big soapboxes in the jumping world and in the lot in the Western world, too, is your trainer is your trainer and you only listen to your trainer and you don't go out and do clinics and you don't do anything else. That bugs the hell out of me because I don't think you're not learning all that's out there. And, there, you know, your trainer might have a way and you might fit with that way, although there may be this other idea that's a little better, too, for you, but you'll never learn about it because you're not allowed to. And I think there are some disciplines that it's, it's very, like with eventing and some of the other disciplines, I do think it's easier. They go to clinics, they learn from other people, they, because they're learning so many different sports and stuff. So I think that, you know, I don't know. I, I, that's always bugged me a little bit. And it partly goes back to, you know, I, I taught sales. I was in sales for a long time. And I learned from everybody. I didn't have one sales coach, you know. And then I taught sales. And I encouraged people to go out and learn from other people. And I don't think you can be as well-rounded if you're under one person for a long period of time. I could be wrong about that. I, I mean, I, that is definitely how I grew up, but I want to give a shout out and say that I train with multiple people all over the country and sometimes ship my horse back and forth between them and they all communicate with each other and they all work together and they are all awesome and they all put the horse first and me second and um you know and and there's it can be done without drama um and i think it, we're seeing it more and more and i think people are being more and more mature and people's lives are complicated and and trainers are getting more realistic about that i think that not to say the client that's just completely under your thumb doesn't exist still in the hunter jumper market, but it is, it's definitely not pervasive like it used to be. So I, I want to give us a shout out for making progress Good. in that front because I, well, I do you think that social media and actually social media and, and accountability that social yep. media brings probably has helped that. Yep. And I think that yep. people just have different, like if I really want to go to this horse show and my, it doesn't work for, Mandy, my trainer's business and their business model to drop everything and go with one client to a horse show. I think it's more acceptable that you say, hey, this is a really big goal for me. Who do you recommend that I train with or who will my horse go well with? And and working together and finding that person instead of asking your trainer to, because it, it's not fair to ask your trainer to upend their life and their business because of your goal that they might not have and might not fit with their business. Mandy, you deal with this on the business side. You help in equestrian businesses. Can, is there a correlation to what we're talking about? Yeah, I think a little bit. I, I mean, I, to circle back just slightly, I, I think like Piper was saying, a lot of it with a horse specifically comes down to what's right for the horse. And then when you take that over to the business side of things, yeah, is it right for your business? Is it a good fit? And it's okay to sit back and say, you know, really actually like look at it from full circle, like, is this a good fit for me? Is this person a good fit? Is this client a good fit? Is this horse a good fit? And take that pressure off of having to make everything work if it's just not going to work. Well, and that's that peer pressure we're getting back to in the, you know, from a little while ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same exactly. Kind of thing. All right. Very good. Any other comments on this one? 
I just want to say from the business side of things, every one person that does not feel welcome in our sport, not only do they not get what we all get out of horses and the joy and the love and the value, but also on the business side of things, every one person that doesn't feel welcome in our sport is not buying a helmet and not buying a show shirt and not buying britches and tall boots. And this is the issue of inclusion is so much larger than petty comments. It, it is a business issue. It is a sport issue. It is a longevity issue for horses in North America. Anything you can do to make anyone feel included, please, please, I implore you, step up to the plate and make someone else feel included in, in our industry. It is the biggest single problem, and we've talked to almost every association that's out there that has horses, whether it's breed or otherwise, over the shows, over the years, and every single one has said, we're losing members, we're shrinking, we're not growing. Every single one. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of factors in that, you know, kids not getting exposed to horses. There's all those things we've talked about a thousand times. But also, it, the ones who do try to get in, that get that negativity and then just bail. I mean... Uh, and, you know, there's also a reason, you know, we're talking about the competitive side. 80% of our listeners are backyard horse owners like us who have their horses in the backyard and don't compete. Uh, and we also try, I think one thing we've done really well at the Horse Radio Network is try to have them feel included like they're in a community now. Whereas, you know, when you just own your horse and it's in your backyard, you can feel very isolated and left out like you're the only horse owner in the world, right? But I think that's one good thing that the shows have done over the years is is bring that group in and really give them a family and a home. You know, our auditor room is a perfect example of that, right? So it's not all, not everybody's competing, but we all deal with, you go trail riding, you deal with the pettiness, right? Yeah. I mean, you're with a group of more than three people, you've got it. It's just going to happen. Uh, but, you know, I it has to change. And unfortunately, I think social media has helped our, helped the horse world be a better place, thanks to our shows and everything else. Uh, but also it's hurt because it's so easy to be mean, really mean on social media. Uh, and we've all seen that Piper for Piper has experienced some of that recently. <laughs> <laughs> know that we're with you there, girl. We're behind you. We're supportive. All right, real quick, let's talk about you guys, and we'll go into our final question. And we're going to first go to our newest podcaster, Mandy. Look at that, her pretty horse all dressed up. And it's the Lead Line Podcast. You're about episode 10 or 11 now? Not quite. Episode 8. Eight. I was close. He's coming out next week, so <laughs> you're close. Well, you are the one that told me to go bi-weekly, Glenn. So I, yep. it would have, it would have been past episode eleven if I was doing it every week. <laughs> so uh, tell us uh, about your show. What have you found? What have you learned by doing this new podcast? Uh, well, I have learned that number one, podcasting is a lot of work, but <laughs> I also really, really love it. And getting to talk to people that are in the horse industry and they've, you know, they've worked really hard to get where they are, hearing their stories and what they've accomplished and where they came from is just so inspirational. And uh, I honestly, I can't keep up. I've got so many great guests that have been lined up, so many people asking to be on the podcast. I'm like, wow, there's some really awesome entrepreneurs out there. So I've been having a really good time so far. And you can find it, just search for the Lead Line Podcast on any podcast player and it'll show up. It's also on our Horse Radio Network uh, homepage and on our app as well. It's also in our Horse Radio Network All Shows feed. If you search any podcast player, search for Horse Radio Network, you'll see the All Shows feed. And that's every episode of every show that's put out and you will see a lot of them in there. So I'm warning you because we put out a lot of episodes every week. <laughs> All right, the Plaidcast. So you have been doing this for so long. What has surprised you, Piper, about doing a podcast? Um, I'm actually surprised lately by how much I like it and how much I'm having fun um, doing it. I, um, I really wanted a Hunter Jumper podcast and I wanted someone else to do it. And I was a huge podcaster from, I started listening to podcasts in 2006 and I kept being like, where's my Hunter Jumper podcast? Where's my Hunter Jumper podcast? And I asked- I apologize. Everyone, I didn't help you out with that either. Yeah. <laughs> I, I asked everyone under the sun to do it for me and finally 2016. So I've like been asking for this for like 10 years, you know, finally we get, I'm like, 
oh, fine, I'll do it. And then um, I remember us having a conversation about this very yeah. thing. And I said, Piper, yep. you should just do it. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And um, I really it scared me in the beginning. Um, and I I felt a lot of pressure. And we were on with like a lot of famous people that I've looked up to my whole life. And um, I, it took me a while to, to really come out of my shell and, and enjoy it and make it what I want it to be. And, and I think that's the best part right now is I have a blast. I look forward to doing it. I have a blast when it comes out. We have, I have so many people come up to me all the time and tell me about other stuff. And, and it's also interesting that it's like the podcast has been so popular that it permeates like other parts of my family and my life, which is fascinating. So like my husband will like run into people that'll be like, Oh my God. <laughs> you know Piper Club and he's like I'm married <laughs> to her <laughs> because like you know they're he one of his friends like their girlfriend rides or you know something like that or my parents will run into people and um so it, it's been fun to like actually actually have it in the wild come circle back and then come home a little bit and I, I think that's one of you know meeting yeah, because the, she, yeah. the thing about piper is she's not naturally an extrovert like i am so you know and that's hard you know there are a lot of podcasters that are very famous that are introverts uh, and the microphone is what when when mm -hmm. they can perform right that's their performance time and they could become an extrovert uh, on the microphone but away from it i'm even that a little bit i have to work hard sometimes when i'm at shows and stuff to be glenn the geek uh, there are times and wendy knows this there are times i just don't want to be you know i just mm -hmm. i just don't want to be you know i just want to hide in the corner uh so i think that we all have a little bit of that but you've done a great job with this show and keeping it going and making it a voice of hunter jumper world you know it really has because you you made that podcast you were hoping for for so long yes yes <laughs> and i'm having fun with it so. <laughs> good for you all right dr wendy we've been doing this show for nine ten years now i think yeah no we started in 10 years it was 2011 oh yeah we started in 2011 you're right yeah that's right yeah because we're so, still in kentucky so why why do you still do it you're not a competitive carriage driver because you, you force me <laughs> I try to quit and you won't let me leave. No, I'm just kidding. I love it. It's super fun. You know, in the beginning we did it every week and that was really difficult because I do the Chinese medicine segment and I do put a lot of work into planning that because sometimes I know this is hard to believe, but sometimes I just go on and on and on and I can't <laughs> stop talking and I don't get all, all the stuff I wanted to say in this block. So I have to focus myself to like figure out what I want to say in the, that amount of time and not go rambling on. So I like this once a month. It's much easier for me because and I can I th then really focus. It is hard. It's hard doing a weekly show. Oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> says the guy who does a daily show. Um. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have to prepare. You just wing it. Oh, yeah. There's no preparation <laughs> at all for an hour and a half, five days a I week. Know. I'm just kidding. But you're a workaholic. <laughs> But, uh, but I think that sometimes people don't realize that, that it does take a lot of work. There's a lot of behind the scenes. So you have to be willing to put that in. But it's really rewarding once you do it. I tell everybody, no, I like and I, I told Piper this, I told Mandy this, but before they started their shows, I tell everybody that there's uh, 10 to 12 hours of pre and post production for every hour you're on the air. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's marketing, and that just includes everything that's involved, booking guests and doing all of that. Actually, the some people say, what's the hardest thing you do? Booking guests. It's just oh, a pain yeah. in the ass <laughs> because you have to go back and forth, and it's emails after emails, and you know it's just coordinating times and doing all of that. It's just time-consuming. It's a time-consuming process. But everything about podcasting or anything else you want to do well is time-consuming. It's business, right? It's just the way it is. Well, I'm glad you're all part of the network. Thank you so much for being here for so long. Between all of us, I figured it out. We have over 25 years of podcasting experience between all of us. So uh, that's a long time. I don't really contribute time. much to that number. Uh, I, I just I, I, you will. I, you you will. Were, I was going to say 25 years and two months. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last question. We are next going to Mandy. All right. Well, so my topic is on accountability and how accountability helps us to be successful at anything we do. 
And obviously my topic a lot of the time is business. And so this has been like our topic for May in my community and the Leadline community. We've been talking a lot about accountability because I think similar to what Glenn said about being a backyard horse owner, just kind of doing your own thing on your own little island. A lot of entrepreneurs do that too, where we dive into a project and we start something and then it doesn't get finished because we're on our own island and no one's going to know if we don't finish the project except (laughs) us. So we're just like, "Eh, it's fine. I don't need to finish it or I'm just going to let that go. Maybe that wasn't such a good idea. And so we sit there on our little solopreneur island, just not getting things done. So we've been really talking a lot in, in my group about just like how having people that you are accountable to on a regular basis really makes such a huge difference. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that. Glenn, if Glenn, what do you think? Well, you know, what made us accountable when I, or in the early days of what we were doing is our sponsors. You know, it's interesting because most 95% of podcasters quit within six months. They're done. They're they stop podcasting. That's 95% of them. And I probably would have been one of those early on had it not been we were lucky to get some sponsors early on. So in a way, it's it's having so many terrific sponsors that has made us accountable. We cannot skip shows. We cannot skip episodes. Mm-hmm. But what has also made me accountable is I reached outside of the horse world to other professional podcasters. And a matter of fact, I got this new mixer so I don't sound like crap anymore. And my mentor, who has been doing this longer than me, believe it or not, uh, was on the phone with me last night helping me set it up. And he, you know, so I went outside of the horse world to other podcasters and that we have groups, we have a, a podcast network group that's all podcast networks like the Horse Radio Network. And we hold each other accountable. So yes, I I can't do it on my own. There are people that can do it. I am not good at Dr. Wendy's not good at it either. She needed mm-hmm. Kyle, her significant other, oh, yeah. to, to, he runs your business, but you needed he that. He runs it all. Yeah, you needed I that. I do the accounting, but. Yeah, but you, you needed him <laughs> to book the, and to keep you going and accountable. I cannot, yeah. well, you know what? I cannot book the appointments. And I tell this to other vets because I'm in a little group where we talk about house call veterinarians. And the thing is, if I answer the phone, I am on the phone with that client for hours. And and then if I say, well, look, I I'm with another client or I'll call you back then. And they're like, oh, that bitch hung up on me. You know, and it's like, okay, well, sorry. Or can you come Sunday at 430? No, I can't. But if I said that, they would be super pissed. But Kyle just says no. And they're like, okay, thanks, Dr. Kyle. I'll come back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't even have to be your husband or, or, you know, even if you just get yourself an answering service for any business, I think, would be like, save a lot of headaches for you. Piper, you've been dealing with accountability. That's all you've been talking about and and holding other people accountable as well as yourself too. Um, I mean, I'm with Dr. Wendy. The buffers are huge. I fully um, advise people, even if you don't, if even if you can't afford someone at your company Mm -hmm. yet, just make up an email with someone else's name. (laughs) Um, That's a great one. Because I like that. Why didn't I I do that that 10 years ago? I did do it 10 years ago. It worked. You guys are so smart. When people don't need to talk to you, they don't need to talk to you. And, you know, when people would call, I mean, I remember in the early days of the magazine, people would call like my cell phone, the only number you can still call and they'd be like subscription department and i'd be like hold please and i'd be like hello <laughs> subscription department um you know but it, it's like yeah like people are like shocked when i pick up the phone still um but i think having i have when people don't need to talk to you or it doesn't need to become emotional having them talk to someone else whether it's real or perceived is huge mm-hmm. um I found personally, I have a huge issue with log jams, I call it. So if I get like an email that I don't want to deal with because of whatever, because I know I should do something or it's a bottleneck of something or there's shame there that I didn't do it perfectly or, you know, like whatever that is, then the email avalanche will start because I'll be like, oh, I don't want to look at that. And then the email avalanche will start. Um, So I actually have a, a college student who comes in once a day for an hour a day, five hours um, a week total. 
and she is not a horse person. None of these names mean anything to her. And she just like, she's like, okay, what are we doing about this one? Or what are we replying to this person? And just make sure that like nothing gets misfiled and like, I'm not the most organized person. So it's that everyone gets replied to and, and really just preventing these log jams. And, you know, cause I'll see someone like famous sometimes and like sees up the, Oh my God, I have to craft the perfect response. You know, <laughs> Otherwise, you know, this Olympic gold medalist will judge me. And then I like paralyze and then it wastes so much time. But by having someone else who's not emotional come through and bust all, cause everything's emotional when it's your business. Like, cause again, like, like you all, you're, you're treating the horse and doing the accounting and billing them and, and, you know, selling them and, you know, taking responsibility. If maybe that treatment didn't work and you're still billing them mm-hmm. for it. I mean, it's, it's how business works. It's you doing your best, right. but also it doesn't feel good. Um, so, so it's dealing with all those emotions. Um, yeah, so um, I am completely by nature just feral, which like works in my favor because it means that I can like, I will get in the car right now and drive to Florida. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't need any planning. I don't need any <laughs> organization. Like that doesn't bother me at all. Um, my husband has this thing called a routine and he's been trying to sell me on it <laughs> for like 14 years. And he's like, you know, people don't need to put like brush your teeth on your to-do list because they do it at the same time every day. So they don't even need to put it on a list. Um, so I kind of, I got a little into this during the pandemic cause I stopped going places and doing things and, you know, just by habit, like by being around him all the time. Cause you can set your clock by him. Like you can be like, Oh my God, he's brushing his teeth. Like, I know what time it is. Sheldon from Um, Big Bang Theory is coming into my head. Yeah. And so so I kind of got into it in the pandemic. And then I was like, oh, my God, I have all this anxiety to travel. Um, so I've, I've gotten off of that again, but there, there is value. I, I see the value to it. You know, I see the value to be having more structure and I have a ton of scheduled phone calls every day. Um, and I don't know if I like that or not, but I do think it keeps me structured, you know, it, it keeps me. And then, you know, again, like kind of what you said, Glenn too, is like, I have a lot of employees and they all have questions and like, I'm not going to risk them losing a sale because I didn't respond fast enough or, you know, I'm not going to risk their livelihood or them doing a good job at their job or them performing at how they want to perform by not replying or not being around when for a meeting or when something needed to be fixed. So definitely other people. One of my biggest mistakes early on was I'm obsessive, and this comes from being in sales. I'm obsessive over making sure I answer emails right away. So I have emails open all day. And the problem with that is then when I don't, people expect me to answer emails right away. So that expe- I've created that expectation that I wish I hadn't created early on. Uh, because, you know, th- then there's, it just sucks time. It's just, you know, it just sucks time. And I get so many emails. And I'm getting better now at kind of making that a more of a once a day thing on the stuff that's not urgent, urgent, you know, has to happen this, this hour. But Mandy, what, what's, if you give your clients one piece of advice when it comes to accountability, what is it? I think it's just making sure that you have some, at least one person in your circle that you trust that's asking you and actually challenging you to get things done. What I ended up doing is I created my own like circle of like, like a mastermind not that long ago. And we set dates on the calendar. We all committed to it. And I told them if they didn't show up, they were getting kicked out. (laughs) So (laughs) I created a very accountable, small mastermind of like four people, including myself. And uh, just having those people that could like, we looked at each other's ideas, we set goals, you know, getting on those meetings after like, we did it every two weeks, we'd have our goals and we would say, hey, so-and-so, did you accomplish this goal that you set in the group two weeks ago? And they'd be like, oh man. Or they'd be like, yep. Because there's something about not wanting to tell someone that you didn't accomplish something that you told them you were going to do that makes you think twice about not doing it. So I think that really makes a big difference is just having someone that you check in with, or at least just say, hey, I'm going to do this, check in with me in two weeks and see if I actually did it. Yeah, self-discipline when you're self-employed is the hardest thing. It is so difficult. And a lot of people this last year, I've worked at home all my life, but a lot of people this last year learned how hard that is when you're at home working. 
uh, you really have to have self-discipline. You know, it, it's yet if you figure that out, it's kind of nice to be home and, you know, I can go outside and do whatever I want when I want. Uh, you still have to get the work done, but you get to choose which hours you get the work done. And that is kind of nice, but boy, it is. And then the other thing happens. Then you go, once you've figured out that kind of self-discipline piece like you're talking about, Mandy, then you end up working too much. And then that's the point where I was at, you know, even last year when I got sick. And, and that's why we're kind of changing how we do things here. So I actually work less. Uh, and that's, you can, that's the other side of working for yourself is you end yeah. up working 150 hours a week. Whereas if you were working for somebody else, you'd maybe only work 40 or 50. So... Uh, and it's constantly there. And working at home, the business is constantly there, isn't it? It's always there. You don't get away from it. I it can't is. walk out of the office into the living room and get away from it because it's just there, <laughs> right? Well, boundaries, it's a whole other topic, which I won't yeah. get into. But, we won't get into that tonight. Yeah. All right, good. Yeah, you guys were great. Thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Of course, you can find Piper over at the Plaidcast. You can find Mandy at the Leadline Podcast and Dr. Wendy Yang at the Driving Radio Show. You can find me at Horses in the Morning five days a week. For the last 10 years, we're at almost episode, get this, guys, 3,000. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I think that puts us in the top, like, one hundredth of a percent of the longest running podcasts out there, for sure. But you can find the rest of this. If you didn't get to hear the whole thing tonight, you can go to Stable Scoop on your podcast player and hear the audio version, or we'll just leave up the videos, too. You can watch the whole video thing out there as well. I need you guys to hold on, because I do have a question for you after. Uh, but we'd lo love to hear your topics. If you have a topic or a group of guests, a panelist that you want me to get on, just email me at glenn at horseradionetwork.com. I'd be happy to try and arrange that uh, most you know not like the early days in podcasting when nobody would talk to us now everybody really wants to talk to us so we can probably get it set up so if you have a, a topic or a group of uh, panelists that you would like to see on then just let me know and thank you to Pat and to Kathleen and to Ellen and everybody else Mackenzie and Donna uh, everybody else that was uh, chiming in tonight uh, Mary uh, and a bunch of others. So thank you all for posting there. We really appreciate that too. Guys, you have a terrific night and thank you for being part of the Horse Radio Network. We love working with you all.